with Allison and Eric too. I'm Allison, and our only goal with this here podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen, whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful. We hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, my husband and yours, Mr. Eric Robertson. Good afternoon. I, I feel like I had a lot of good voice effects on that intro. Yeah, you did. <laughs> really taking the vocal range. You did. Consider it my audition for the animated uh, villain character that I shall play someday. Okay. <laughs> I have so much potential to be really evil and really angry. And I'm glad you brought that up because... That is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. This is episode 175. Apparently, I'm angry. And this episode is about the emotion of anger. And I want to talk about my relationship with anger. Eric, I want to hear about your relationship with anger. I want to talk about how my relationship with anger has changed over the last few years, my understanding of it. And then I've also been really inspired and lit up by a very short, I don't even want to call it a book. It's like an essay, Meditations on Anger by Thich Nhat Hanh. It's actually free as part of the Audible library. So what's really funny is like, not sponsored by Audible in any way. I'm just that much of an Audible user. <laughs> and I really like to utilize the free library because I'm always buying extra credits. I spend a ton of money on audiobooks. I'm sure there's a better way to do it. Maybe not. I don't know. Spike. I like supporting the authors, right? I like buying the books. So that's what I use. And you can listen to this essay that I'm going to be referencing. We'll put a link in the show notes. So let's get into it. Okay, let's Eric, do it. What do you think about anger? <laughs> I didn't know I was starting this off. Rawr. I thought you were going to part the part the Red Sea of anger so I can walk through and know what you're talking about. I know. But this, I just, is, this is your episode. I mean, it's our episode, but you're the yeah, one who's leading it. Okay, okay. Because here's the thing, though. Because this is the question I'm going to ask everybody. So I'm asking it to you. And then by asking it to you, people at home listening can be like, okay, here's what I think. So what are your thoughts around anger? Okay, I'm going to ask a few questions and just start to notice what comes up. What are your thoughts around anger? How do you feel when you get angry? Not the anger itself, but what are like the other emotions? Does it feel out of control? Does it feel shameful? Does it feel good? Does it feel empowering? What are the emotions that arise before anger, after anger, do you consider yourself angry? Do you think the emotion of anger, what do you think about it? What do you think about it on mm -hmm. a conscious level? Meaning like what you would say out loud to people. And then like, what do you think about it on an unconscious level? And what I mean by that is the stories you've carried since childhood, the projections of what an angry man is or isn't, right? There's just especially with an emotion like anger, there's going to be so much baggage. It's like sex. It's like money. It's one of those things that's just, it's got some loose change there at the bottom, clinking around, making some noise. So the reason why I want to talk about this today is because in order for me to heal, in order for me to become whole, in order for any of us to heal or become whole, we've got to be able to accept 
all aspects. And anger is an aspect of all of us. So any of those questions you want to answer? Okay. The first thing that came to my mind was when I'm angry, it's usually at the kids. They're so frustrating. And (laughs) when I feel angry, I do feel a little bit out of control. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm going to be apologizing in 20 minutes. So it's like... You don't even get the emotion of anger without preemptive shame or, like, apology. I just know that I'll be apologizing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So that's, like, the conscious is that you'll be apologizing. Like, that's, like, the tip of the iceberg. When you were a little kid, how did you get angry? Would you get angry? What did your anger express if you were mad at brothers? That's a good question. I know. I thought a lot about it. I'm so smart. I don't remember being angry as a kid that often. I'm sure I was. I just, right now I'm Okay, think about Curtis, your brother Curtis, because you you get mad at Curtis more than your other siblings. Yeah, that's true. Curtis, I'm calling him out on it, if you hear this. (laughs) When I was mad, I'd probably go into mockery. Yeah, that is what you do. Yeah. You start making fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very talented at getting under people's skins if I really want to. Yeah, you are. So rude about it. I know. But I'm but I don't. Okay, but that's interesting because that is like a and I think that's something that my family does too, is I think when we are angry and we just start like mocking it, it comes from a place of I'm better than getting angry and I'm angry and I'm not quite sure how to express it, but I'm not an angry person. So I'm just going to make fun of it. There's that, but also since I feel bad or I'm mad, I want you to feel out of control too. And that is a talent you have of making people feel out of control is you remaining very calm and getting them to lose their cool. I don't do this very often. No, you don't know. It's not like I'm really... On talent shows, getting people back. But I do think it's cool that you recognize that because I'm looking at it more from the side of it is the other side of the coin of your personality. You're this incredible peacemaker and diplomat and very, you know, you like you create a space of peace where people get to be their full selves, which is the beautiful side of it. But the same talent can be used to hold your peace and stir crap in other people is what you're saying. You're like very talented at it. That, mm-hmm. I'm just repeating your words. I'm yeah. I'm not I'm disagreeing. as talented at it, even though you are. No. <laughs> and when I, when I think about getting angry, I realized that my relationship with anger was very much, that's something for like lesser, like people who are kind of like out of control, like ew. How it, kind of that tone. It's like more than the words I can use to describe it. It's more of just like your nose is up and it's like you're holding a stinky diaper like six feet away from you. Like, ew. And that's that energy is what I felt put on me by my family and also what I put on other people. I think that's just how we approached anger in our family. And then I was thinking about this as I was driving home today and getting ready to talk about it. It's not like my mom and dad don't blow up and get angry, though. Like, my family is very articulate. We all speak really well. We're really conversational. But we also are all can be very sensitive. But then also we can fly off the handle because we're Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. Raw! 
<laughs> but it's interesting because it's not like I have a family full of people that never get angry. In fact, my family is far more explosive than your family, right? But I feel like the family story that I grew up around with anger is it's just what's the point of it? Like, you're being silly. It's embarrassing for you to get angry. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And it's, and I think that does come from a place of people who are not wanting to get angry and then blowing up and feeling shame themselves. And then we just keep passing that on and passing that on. And the reason why, and thank you for being the guinea pig, because I know everyone else listening is now thinking in a new way about their relationship with anger. And I... And working through some anger. <laughs> and so this started a couple years ago. So a lot of my issues, when my body started to break down, a lot of my issues were in my bladder. And there was like nothing anybody could do. There were no, no answers, no solutions. And it was just like I had to pee all of the time. So I just went to brunch with a friend and I drove half an hour away. We stayed there for about an hour and a half or two hours and I drove home. And on the drive home, I realized I hadn't gone to the bathroom. That is like when at the height of my body and it shut down, if I would was out at a meal with someone, there is no way I wouldn't have been in the bathroom in an hour and a half with the sensation of needing to pee at least five to 10 times, which is really rough on your mental health and on your, I mean, it's tough in a lot of ways. And there's an old wives tale. There's an old saying, and I bring that up around the bladder that if you have issues with your bladder, you need to get pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'd, I'd heard this and I hear people saying it to me and I'm like, I'm not angry. Like, I don't need to get mad. I'm not angry. Like I'm not angry. (laughs) That sounds really not angry when I say it. (laughs) And it's because a lot of my tools for identifying emotions were blocked around identifying anger because it wasn't safe to be angry. It wasn't cute to be angry. I don't like that look for me, especially as a woman. That is a whole thing. I don't know. It was just, it was very, it's very layered. And, but in that uh, stop up (laughs) of anger, that there really was a lot of anger, like really deep within me. There well, was a lot of anger inside. Don't you think that how we treat anger is de- is definitely shaped by our experiences chi- in childhood? Oh, absolutely. And you were yeah, sh- that's you were why sh- I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. were ashamed for being. Angry. And I was, and not to throw my parents under the bus because they like they're amazing communicators, but they feel ashamed when they get angry as well. Yeah. Right. So that is just what was modeled, and so I have been really actively for probably three years now thinking about the emotion of anger like what's its purpose what's its point what do you do with it and some of these ideas that i have come across in this it's called taming the tiger within by tiknot han tiknot han is a beautiful buddhist author writer and actually i just was looking has five or six or seven programs that are like between an hour or three hours that are free in the audible library so if you are an audible member or if you want to get a free membership you can buy my book for free get a membership these are lots of good options another book i love by him is called being peace and they have that one for free in the library as well but in this taming the tiger within i just wanted to kind of hit on some of these things that are really helping me. And I feel like this is important to bring up and how this applies to you and the world at large is it is a very common 
refrain right now that people are very angry. When I was traveling in Europe, when I'm at the airport, there are signs up everywhere that are like asking people for common decency, which is like sad and shocking, where it's please treat the attendants with respect. And it's like civility, respect, these things start to erode when people aren't able to regulate their own emotions. And I feel like that's a really compassionate way to say it because that's what's happening. I don't think there's a bunch of horrible people out there. I think there's a bunch of people with horrible emotions and horrible circumstances and horrible experiences, and they don't have the tools or the capacity to manage them. And we, as a world, have been put under so much strain that even if you're somebody who maybe had the tools and had the capacity, it might be gone at this point. So I think that as we start to be able to accept our anger, see our anger, and even seeing it and accepting it is huge. Because so many of us, now lots of people have a very different experience where it's like we we yell at each other and that's all fine, like in their family and we yell and we love each other. That's actually super, I'm not saying the yelling, but the like arguments with resolution. We were just reading an interesting article about the way that couples fight being a crazy predictor of whether they'll stay together or not. Yeah. the I can't remember what the ratio is, but it's if you have a certain percentage of negative interactions to positive there's a, they pre- they predicted a 90 percent chance that this marriage is not going to last i think it was something like you have five to have to one, five good five to one. good interactions for every negative interaction and if it goes drops below five even though it's more than the one negative if it keeps dropping below that then your chances are high, very high that they the- start escalating and i really i loved that too because i liked the way and we'll link to that article as well because it was awesome mm-hmm. but i liked the way that it had me think about our relationship in terms of interactions. Especially when you live with someone, we just did our episode about being married 15 years, or they're people that you see on a regular basis, they become like such a part of your life, you can start, it can mush together. But when I think of, oh, I'm seeing Eric before I leave right now, I'm going to give him a hug and a kiss, there's a positive interaction. It's like giving me the tools and the ideas to create these little positive interactions now why don't we walk around creating positive interactions because we are it's difficult (laughs) because life is hard because it's confusing to know what to do for money and it's hard to know what to do with your kids that are arguing and it's hard to know what to do with that neighbor who's mad at you and and you might not have the habit of creating positive it's a habit it's like a mindset and a habit it is for sure and it's also so often when i'm talking with people I just see them immediately start to beat themselves up when they hear something. They're like, yeah, I should do that. And then they just, it's like they skip over, this is a good idea that would benefit me, into shame. And we don't even get to live in the space where there's an idea, there's a solution for peace, there's a solution for feeling less awful. Like, the whole point, I'm in a deep thing right now, guys, where I'm like, what is the point of anything? Which isn't new for me, but really deep in it. And I love the intro to our podcast because it gets me ready for the point of this podcast, which is just to feel a little more awesome than you did before. I wrote a book called You're Already Awesome. Why did I write that book? Why do we need a podcast to feel a little more awesome? Why do we need any of this? Because we forget. That's it. 
Why do we forget? Because it's difficult. It's difficult. And these other emotions can be very draining. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is the purpose of anger? That is such a good question. What is the purpose of anger? I want to pause on that question and ask whether there is a purpose or no purpose to it. Can you accept that it is part of a human experience? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do accept okay. It. I think that I don't know if I really did accept that. I think that I thought if I healed and was with God and spiritual and mindful and Zen and Zen, <laughs> it's you hear me say it all the time, yeah. Zen Allison, Zen AF, right? Yeah. That I wouldn't get to anger. And I bring that up because I think there's a lot of people who might not realize that they feel that way. Because your question was, what's the point of anger? And that kind of assumes that you accept that anger is something that you have and that you can't be stronger than or better than or more evolved than, right? Yeah. I didn't really accept that, I, I mean, don't think. Christ went into the temple and like overthrew tables, yeah. kicked him out. That, that's not a calm, peaceful yeah. action. So I really like that. Now I'm going to reference Thich Nhat Hanh. Anger has roots in non-anger elements. So let me, so to expound on that, I loved, loved, loved this sentence. If we take good care of everything in us without discrimination, we prevent our negative energies from dominating. I'm going to say that one more time because I feel like it's so good. If we can take good care of everything in us without discrimination, we prevent our negative energies from dominating. So what is the point of anger? Honestly, I'm still thinking about that, but I love that sentence so much and it rings so true to me, like just to my core, just, oh, yes. And so because of the strength of that truth that it rings to me, I might answer the point of anger is to provide us like the full range of what we get to take care of as like a creator and somebody who has stewardship over our body, over the earth. So let's think of it this way, because I was listening to Thomas McConkie, who I love on his Mindfulness Plus podcast, and he was talking about fear and how it's not that fear doesn't exist. It's that fear exists in the same place that courage exists. So we don't have courage without fear, and we don't have fear without courage. So maybe if we think of peace, because I think of peace on the other side of the spectrum to anger, we don't have peace without anger, and we don't have anger without peace. I like that. I do like that. Yeah. Because it kind of flies in the face of your sentence about if we take care of everything, no negative emotions will pop up. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anger is all negative. I think it's I think if there's a react yes. anger and there's a responding anger. Yes, that is so good because it says if we take good care of everything in us without discrimination, we prevent our negative energies from dominating. It's not that we're trying to eliminate the negative energies. It's that we are accepting and understanding the negative energies 
so that they don't become a master over us, Mm. so they don't dominate us. And this brings me back to the bladder. (laughs) What essentially had happened is I had, what happened is I had repressed and shoved down into my bladder that anger and resentment so deeply that I couldn't access it from a conscious state of mind. I had literally pushed it down so far. And then what did it start doing? It started taking over the operations of my body. It started domineering and dominating. That energy of anger was dominating my physical body, my emotional body, because I did not tend to it. Why didn't I tend to it? I didn't know to. There you go. That's it. Like, maybe I did know. Maybe I didn't have the capacity. Maybe I didn't have the understanding. Like, who, like, I just didn't. And now I am. And my life is better for it. And so I think that is the amount of, it's so easy when we reflect and look back to be like, I just, I did this wrong. I was talking to my sister today and she's, I can see some things that I did wrong. And I'm like, I love ownership and saying, I did this incorrectly. But I also think so often when we are saying we did something wrong, what we actually mean is I didn't have the tools to do it differently and now I have new tools and I wish I could have done it differently. I don't know. I just feel like that right and wrong can feel so harsh sometimes. And if you're not using it to beat yourself up with shame, you don't need to worry about it. But I do feel like a lot of us are. And I say I feel because I'm what I'm saying is I know because I witness very many people doing that when they talk to me as well as doing it myself. So another idea that I really liked is they start this taming the tiger within with this idea that you are more than your suffering. So just take that for a moment. You are more than your suffering. Here's why that is like a bomb, like a cooling. It's like aloe vera on a sunburn right? You are more than your suffering. Because when you are really suffering, it feels like that is everything. When you are in pain, like yesterday, I felt so low, so overwhelmed. And like my suffering was earth consuming. It was like, my world was as big as me crying to Eric in our room. And not even bigger than our bed, not even the size of the room, right? It was just like this itty bitty world where like my suffering is taking control of everything. So to just invite you into the truth that you are more than your suffering and that even in anger, love, and I say peace, are still there. I love that idea so much because it's, yes, you are super angry. We're going to tend to that anger. And then that anger, it's there. It's not like we're trying to eliminate it. We're tending to it. So another, I think the reason I liked this these meditations on anger so much is because what do you do with your anger? What do you do with your anger? That's where I landed. And the only thing that I knew what to, I was like, okay, my bladder isn't working and nothing is working. I will go ahead and accept I'm angry, even though I'm not sure what I'm angry about. So how did I access that anger? The number one way for me was through free writing. And now I've started to notice that when I sit down to write, if I can't write, it's usually because I'm really mad. It's sometimes it's because I'm really sad, but it's like when I have nothing to say, it turns out I'm furious and it's pretty mind blowing. I've seen that. Yeah, because I don't think that's what it is. 
but it's those habits and patterns of putting it down really deep down in. And so the first thing to do with anger is to notice it. And the example that Thich Nhat Hanh gave is it's a crying baby. And why does a baby cry? Because it needs to be taken care of. So when our anger arises, it's like our house is on fire. And it's like they they give this example. Okay, when somebody's angry, when you get angry at somebody, they set your house on fire. And you're going to go chase after the person that leaves your house on fire. (laughs) Right? That's like the idea of reacting versus responding. Exactly. Exactly. And so the anger is an emotion that is your emotion, your experience, and you get to tend to it. I love this example that they gave. And they say, cook. So think of your anger as a potato. I love this because you're a hot little potato. You're an angry little potato. Okay, so you got a hot, angry little potato. You can't do anything with a potato until you cook it. Like, how many times have the kids tried to get a bite of potato from me? So many times when I'm making food. Mm. They want a bite of the... Every single child has been like, can I try the potato raw? And I'm like, sure. You want a hard, flavorless apple. (laughs) It is, but it's not even like an apple. It is. It reminds me of that Office episode where they replace Creed's apple with a potato. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't notice it. Yeah, and it's hard to eat a potato. Also, the new Dungeons & Dragons movie, Holga's always eating potatoes and throwing them. Oh, yeah, with a lot of anger. She's an angry little potato. So they talk about you've got to cook your anger before you can do anything with it. So I love well, that. Before you can do constructive things with it. Yeah, before you can do anything with it. Really? Because you can do terrible things with it immediately. That's true. Okay, I like your version. Okay, yeah, you got to cook your anger if you want to tend to it. Okay. I just like the idea of tending because it doesn't say, like, tending is just like minding. and It's like you're watching a child. when You're, you're observing. You're observing. Got you're it. tending. You're just noticing. Or like when a baby is crying, what do you do with a crying baby? What I did with a crying baby is... Cry, start crying then after that i now when i see a crying baby i'm like give me that baby when a baby is like throwing a huge fit somewhere eric is yeah sure babe go offer to hold their baby see what happens because i love to get in the mix with a really angry baby because i had a really angry baby and i know how to tend to that angry baby okay so let's okay so i'm this is good i know how to tend to an angry baby so this is what i would do for ginger when she was so angry i wrap her up tight you gotta swaddle. You gotta swaddle that baby. Oh my gosh, this is perfect for anger because you gotta wrap it up. You gotta acknowledge it. You gotta pick it up, and you gotta hold it. You gotta hold it to you and say, "I see you, anger. You're there." We're not gonna go chase the person who made you angry or what, like all the different things, because it's your anger, right? You get to deal with it. Yeah. So I'd swaddle her up tight, and then I'd always do the deep bend, the deep lunge. Where I would do a deep, deep lunge and then like sway her back and forth. And what that does is it simulates the womb. So it actually is a nervous system. It's somatic healing. I didn't even think about this. Like that is what like calming a colicky baby is helping the nervous system. Because the things they tell you to do with a colicky baby are to swaddle them, to shh. Remember how we used to shh in her face? To like, break her patterns of to screaming. break her patterns yeah. of screaming, and they're like you just you do white noise and you get right up in her face and you go shh, and people would see us do it and they, like it would seem mean but it would calm her down. Remember, I'd have to go out to my truck and play loud music. Yeah, 
Yeah. To get her to go to sleep. Because what we were doing is we were tending to her anger. Yeah. She had so much anger. But she's so great she's now. She's so sweet now. But she, oh man, she was so <laughs> angry. And also, I've always said about Ginger, as soon as she was able to communicate, talk, a lot of that anger dissipated. It's true. And it's because anything that gets shoved down in that we can't release or acknowledge or express is very uncomfortable. And when we're uncomfortable, we get real mad. It's true. It's real, real mad. There's a purpose of anger right there. Like anger for protection and anger to keep you safe. So tending to that anger, thinking of it as a raging baby, what would you do to that baby? You would take care of their nervous system. You would swaddle them tight, which is also helping the nervous system. And that's why I'm so big on talking about the nervous system and somatic healing, because that is ultimately what what helped me heal and what I believe is going to help all of us heal. Another idea that I really like with your anger, like what do you do with your anger is compost it. So I love this idea of rot like in my heart and rather than needing to go in like surgically and take rot out or garbage out, we can compost it and turn it into something like create like this really beautiful fertile soil. And so I think about our garden boxes we have that we've been talking about and we've had flowers in them for three seasons now. And that soil is so good. Oh, I keep adding every year. Yeah. And you add new soil, topsoil, but that, the, ooh, that roots of that soil, like how good and rich that Mm -hmm. soil is of what we've been growing in it. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you've had a lot of betrayal and if you've had a lot of heartbreak like I have if you've had a lot of trauma and pain that anger is just part of the truth of that when somebody betrays you and hurts you we're angry because it disrupts our peace because they crossed our boundaries and when we cross our own boundaries and let ourselves down we get angry right and so I love this idea that you can compost it And it's not to make it so that you will never get angry again. It's that you can transcend the suffering. And so it is this idea that, yes, I am angry. And yes, I will get angry again. But I'd have the tools to transcend it. It's almost like you're using the tools to make it a righteous anger instead of a hurting, damaging anger. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good little conversation pieces and points in the meditations on from the essay that I'm referring to, where they say, it's not love unless you're able to express to somebody that you're angry. So the example would be me saying, my darling, Eric, I am angry with you. I suffer. So it's not saying it's not shaming it's not blaming i'm telling you i'm angry and when i think of the relationships that have broken down in my life it is because neither one of us came to the other person and said i'm angry i'm hurt this hurt i'm angry it takes courage to do it that. does it takes courage and i just think a lot of us don't know how 
we don't know what to do with our anger. We don't know how to deal with it. We ha- So they, they also talk about how if you like beat a pillow or hit stuff to get your anger out, you're like training, like you're training anger. I don't know if I agree with every single thing because I have found a lot of relief from like breaking glass jars, right? Like some like, but for me, it was like a very specific, like I'm tending to my anger. So right now what I'm doing as I continue to heal and continue to let hurt go and fear go is I've decided that I'm going to tend to my anger. And so the way that I tend to my anger is journaling and meditation and then also by noticing it, by holding it, by letting it be. And then deciding how do I want to cook this potato? And the example that I love is cook your anger in the fire of mindfulness. So you can be angry and mindful. You can be angry and still have love. You can be full of suffering and still be more than your suffering. And I just want to offer those out to you that if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling resentful, if you're feeling angry, I think lots of times people don't even get to anger because anger requires more energy than like, like hopelessness. Because anger is a, it's an active emotion. It's a fuel. So people can become addicted to anger yeah. because like anxiety, it propels you to do things. Mm. So I know that I've been in the past very addicted to my anxiety because of what it helps me accomplish. Tony Robbins actually had a really cool, I don't even, yeah, I think it was in one of his programs where he talked about an emotional habit. We have emotional habits and people, very often an emotional habit is anger. And the reason why anger can be an emotional habit is because it does a lot for you. It gets you attention. It can make connection, positive or negative connection, because coming together and being angry with other people is, I think that's the internet right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like also in Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she talks about how the lowest form of human connection is connecting over the negative. And how it does breed, it's like a quick high. It's like a cheap fix. So it's let's all get mad together, but it actually doesn't create bonded relationships if that's where it stays. It doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere else. And yeah, I'm just really grateful to have a new perspective on anger. I'm grateful to have a few tools to know what to do with it. One of my favorite tools for anger is the F word. <laughs> like absolute hands down, most favorite. Take that any way you want. I have gotten quite a few old ladies to say the F word and they feel a lot better after. So I'm not saying you have to. I Everybody has a different relationship with swearing. But that's what I tell my kids when they want to swear. I'm like, just you guys, you don't swear now because you got to save it up for when you're an adult and you have all this trauma to heal from all the trauma we're causing you right now. <laughs> So you can release it later. It's more impactful for you. But walking, mindfulness, observing, all those same answers. However, it's all different when you approach it with compassion. And I like this idea of approaching your anger with compassion and mindfulness, not to get rid of it, but to take care of it. 
And why do we want to take care of our anger in a responsible way? Duh, look at the world. And tragedy after tragedy. And so I feel like this is really important work. I feel like it's really important work. Yeah. So I'm excited. I've listened to that essay. It's 45 minutes long. I've listened to it five times <laughs> because it brings me a lot of peace. And I really like the words and I like the way they feel when I hear them. And I like the way that I think it's sinking into my system. So I just keep listening to it until I'm sick of it. But I've decided I'm just going to keep listening to it. Because I think I'm absorbing some good ideas. So hopefully you guys found something. Hope that can be beneficial to you. You're doing a really good job. If you're a person who, like our seven-year-old Fiona, is very good at expressing anger, good for you. Like legit. That is a gift and a talent. It might be something that you then decide you want to soften soften a bit. But I've had a lot of crap happen because, like, I was not able to understand that I was angry. So whether you're like me or whether you're tuned into your anger, I hope that helps you see some of the, like, a fuller picture of it. Do you have any other thoughts, Eric? No, I have things to think about because I didn't think about any of this stuff before. So I think you did a great job opening a ton of different concepts around anger and whenever you're improving yourself, whenever I'm like trying to get better, you just got to think about it and you got to sit with it. So I wish I had more to add. I don't, no, but, well, but, I, but I want to like, I want to go think about it. Do you want me to read my poem or no? I can't decide. Another thing that has helped me a lot with processing emotions I don't understand is writing poetry. And it doesn't feel like poetry when I'm, it's not like I sit down intending to write poetry. I sit down to get it out, like the words that are just like swirling, like the thoughts or the feelings, and it comes out as poetry. And I wrote this when I was really angry, and I haven't wanted to share it, but I really like the poem. And so I've been wondering, why do I not want to share it? And I realized it's because I don't like people to see me angry. I don't want people to think I get angry because I still have shame over getting angry. I So I'm going to share this poem just because uh, I was really... Angry little elf. I was an angry little elf, an angry little beaver. <laughs> it's called I'll Be Your Villain. This is a new concept for me. This idea of being okay. I, this isn't the poem. I'm just yeah, waxing like, <laughs> philosophical. But what I'm saying is part of anger for me is allowing other people to be angry with me. It was is very hard. That's very hard. That's probably harder than being angry for me is thinking that other people are angry with me. I know that to be true with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And so this I'll be your villain is like... A bitter acceptance of that. And I say bitter because I'm not saying I'm accepting it with grace in this. I'm, I, again, this is an angry poem. So, <laughs> Allison slam poetry moment. I'll be your villain. I'll be your villain, the one you blame and shame and use as a shield to catch all the crap you throw out, the truth that you vomit violently, then dash away from so you don't sit in or see the reality of your sticky, ugly bits. I won't agree to your revisionist history, no, but I'll still agree to be your villain. 
I just wish you'd use my generosity to set yourself up as the victor or the hero instead of the victim that you, the alleged innocent bystander of my dark deeds, have cobbled yourself to be. Have the courage or clarity to at least grant yourself that. Or don't. Are villain's request ever valid? No matter. You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Enjoy your feast. I'll enjoy mine. The difference is you'll partake without acknowledging the icky reality of yolk and membrane, the pieces of shell I gagged to pull out. Sure, I'll be your villain. Why? Why not? I'm woman enough to carry the burden of having cracked. Now please, do run along. I'm sharpening my claws. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me happy when I read it. I know it's petty or bitter, and I'm just like, (sighs) (sighs) thanks for letting me share that with you guys. I'll be your villain, or I won't. Depends on how I'm feeling. (laughs) Eric, did we get any reviews? Yeah, this is this made this made we got a lot from our uh, from our 15 year. Oh, that's great. I think it's also because when we said, "Is there a review?" There weren't any. I like when people feel bad for us. Yeah, feel bad or good. (laughs) <laughs> We're feeling great. This is from a dude. I don't think we've had one. We've had a few, but really? I love a dude. Okay, this is from James Castleman. He says, great job, Allison. Your empathy, skill, encouragement, and collaboration with your husband to bring joy to others is amazing. Aww. My wife got me started listening to you, and we enjoy talking about your shared lessons and experiences with each other as our own relationship homework. <laughs> For the last couple of years, you have had such a imp- positive impact on us. Thank you. We're also reading your book. Keep it up, you two. James Castleman. James, I might be a little weepy over here. Lately, it just has hit different when I meet people and they're like, I listened to the podcast and it helped. I just, I receive it. Like, I receive it. I hear it. And I don't get to use this word a lot because it's not true a lot, but I am humbled. I really am humbled by it because it is an honor to get to be with you in this thing called life. And you're doing a really good job. Be angry, be messy, be scary, be huge, be scared, be ferocious, be brave, be peaceful, be quiet, be shy, be all of you, be any part of you. We want all the parts, all the pieces. They're all good. We accept them all. (sighs) James. Shoot us an email to Hey Girl at the Allison Show or Awesome with Allison. I don't know. There's email somewhere. Shoot us an email. We'll send you a gratitude journal. Thank you so much for that review. Thank you for being here. Thank you for reading my book. I really love my book. I highly recommend it, specifically on Audible, really, too. It's great as an audiobook because you get Eric's music in there. And I will leave you with this. Only you can be you. And you are already as awesome as you need to be. All my love. Oh, do you have a song? Yeah. What do you have? I'm working on a new album. Uh, It's, you know. Gimme, gimme. So this is another demo, but I think it's ready to share. Also, thank you everyone who's coming over and listening to my podcast. Oh my gosh, have we even talked? We talked about your podcast last week. I know, but so many people came over and made recommendations. Yes. So I'll put it in the show notes. I have six interviews up. Tell everybody about your podcast one more time if they didn't hear last It's called The Men Who Love God. It's about dudes trying to live good lives, chasing the light, struggling, tragedies, beautiful things, hard things. It's just like guys not feeling so alone and uh, living their lives with a higher power. And that's it. And I'm just loving interviewing these men. And I'm 
learning so much great stuff. My quality of life is going up from learning all these things. So thanks for listening. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And I don't know what the name of the song is, but the visual of it is slowly floating to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, give me that. That's my favorite visual. Yeah, just peaceful. You don't need to worry about sharks or anything. It's just the peaceful, slow, warm float. That is so funny because I asked people recently, would you rather be on top of a mountain or the bottom of the ocean? And everybody brought up sharks. And I was like, they're not at the bottom of the ocean. They're not. Okay. They can't survive down there. Yeah, I believe Also, it doesn't matter. Because if you're living at the bottom of the ocean, we've overcome a lot of reality. (laughs) Yes. So enjoy this song and float with me to the bottom of the ocean.
Thank you.